Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Annie, before we start this... Yes. I need to ask you, because I've been thinking about this for a minute, and I realized how little I know about all these things, but when did you start actually having a savings account? Oh, I I guess if we're talking like a traditional at-a-bank savings account, 10th grade, if we're talking about like piggy bank level saving from when I was four years old. Right. Very much saving money. <laughs> Got you. Let me let me talk about investing. So you you kind of figured out about saving money because I mm. did not save money really well and I truly did not have a good savings account until recently because I was living paycheck by paycheck. Mm-hmm. But within all of this and some of the things that I've learned through our economic stuff is trying to figure out how to invest and what that means. When did you start learning did, or have you ever really learned about investing? And investments. I started learning in 11th grade, and I think this is an unfortunate story, but I, at the time, I loved math. Um, I loved calculus, but I have been told, you're never going to get a man if you're too smart in math. So my, in 11th grade, I had the choice of taking calculus or math money management. And I took math money management because I thought it would be cooler um, it was more more women took that class. And I'm not saying that that wasn't useful because it was. We learned about taxes and we learned about investing and we learned about buying a house and all that kind of stuff. But it was just kind of very gendered and weird. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I So that was helpful. I think I probably... And I know you and I discussed this recently. There were a lot of gaps in my knowledge, though, that have like only very recently <laughs> been filled. Like uh, we were talking about, I didn't know what the heck was going on with credit scores or like why you got punished, which is a very problematic system. I'm not saying that it's good, but like, right. 
I didn't even really understand that. And I've definitely had people who are better at finance than me tell me I'm not making the best use of my money as I'm saving. But I kind of hate that whole idea. I wish we didn't have to get make our money work for us, quote, just right. to like retire at a reasonable age and not be right. living on the like edge of poverty. Yeah. And I find that very interesting, especially you talking about those classes, because I've never, calculus obviously, but I've mm-hmm. never been offered money management class and I really wish I had. I mm-hmm. know at one point in time, there was a moment where we talked about checkbooks and how to write yeah. a check. And I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Now we don't even use <laughs> yeah. them anymore. But essentially, like that was the lesson that we learned. And then as I started to go into the work world, uh, I went into, of course, government. And we don't necessarily do stocks. They do yeah. the the regular investment that you really don't know what's happening. It's being matched and you're told it's there. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. What is 401k? I have no idea. And then finding my parents uh, had done all this investment. And then the crash that happened in, I believe, 97, 98. And they lost all of their money and all of their retirement. And then coming into this industry where we are connected to a specific brokerage account, investment account, or company rather, and being told you have to invest in these stocks that are not stable. And I'm very angry and trying to figure out why am I having to do this, but being told that if we don't venture out and just do bonds, you might not get any money that you want. Also, bonds can, you can also lose money. And I'm like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. So I'm very confused. I'm very angry at the system. That's a whole different (laughs) thing. But the reason I was thinking about all this, well, you and I have been talking a little bit about the world of finance and the world of investments. Mm-hmm. And it's complicated. It's a complicated world. And to me, obviously, very freaking confusing. Mm-hmm. I am so confused. Yeah. Even after all the research that we have we have done for this episode, I'm still thoroughly confused. I think I know 1% yeah. more than before. <laughs> I think that's a common mindset in this conversation, though. <laughs> Maybe so. So, um, But it's a world that hasn't been overly welcoming for others outside of the cis-hetero white man, and we know this. Uh, but there are those who've been changing that, including this newer world of crypto and NFTs, right? Right, right. Oh, boy. Um, Okay. (laughs) So, yes, of course, we wanted to take a deeper look at women and the world of investing because this is such a big topic of conversation right now. Uh, As we said recently, we did venture out to the movie theater and got a good chuckle out of a very dramatic Matt Damon crypto commercial. Right. Uh, uh, as a fellow, the fact that Reese Witherspoon is tweeting about things and putting on Instagram, and then mm-hmm. Mila Kunis talking about her NFT animated stuff. Uh. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of everywhere right now. But if you're like us uh, and you're a little confused, let's start with some definitions so we can get on the same page here. So the stock market or stock exchange, as defined by Investopedia, it, quote, refers to the collection of exchanges and other values where the buying, selling, and issuance of shares of publicly held companies take place. Such financial activities are conducted through institutionalized formal exchanges, whether physical or electronic, or via over-the-counter, OTC, marketplaces that operate under a defined set of regulations. 
And then cryptocurrency, according to Investopedia, is, quote, a digital or virtual currency that is secured by cryptography, which makes it nearly impossible to counterfeit or double spend. Many cryptocurrencies are decentralized networks based on blockchain technology, a distributed ledger enforced by a disparate network of computers. A defining feature of cryptocurrencies is that they are generally not issued by any central authority, rendering rendering them theoretically immune to government interference or manipulation. Which, by the way, has been changing. Oh. Not necessarily that the government oh, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are part of it, but big corporations and companies are starting to buy into it. So that's making it, to me, institutionalized, but whatever. <laughs> and going with that, we kind of wanted to come back to blockchain because I'm like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a distributed database that is shared among the nodes of computer network. Yes, and this is all from Investopedia. So if y'all are wondering, because I'm like, it keeps popping up. They seem to know a lot. Okay, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Um, uh, As a database, a blockchain stores information electronically in digital format. Blockchains are best known for the crucial role in cryptocurrency systems such as Bitcoin for maintaining a secure and decentralized record of transactions. The innovation with a blockchain is that it guarantees the fidelity and security of a record of data and generates trust without the need of a trusted third party. And apparently anyone can mint one. What? It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's according to how you do it. This is why we have some random like cat coins and dog coins that I don't understand. So (laughs) then there's also DeFi, which I had to come back to. I was like, what is this? Which is uh, decentralized finance and is, quote, an emerging financial technology based on secure distributed ledgers similar to those used by cryptocurrencies. The system removes the control banks and institutions have on money, financial products, and financial services. So all of this is supposed to be for cryptocurrencies, that we can do it as a community without institutions, putting it simply. Mm, mm -hmm. And then we're also going to talk about NFTs or non-fungible tokens, which are, quote, cryptographic assets on a blockchain with unique identification codes and metadata that distinguish them from each other. Unlike cryptocurrencies, they cannot be traded or exchanged at equivalency. This differs from fungible tokens like Cryptocurrencies, which are identical to each other and therefore can be used as a medium for commercial transactions. <laughs> yes, yes. There was an SNL sketch a while back where Pete Davidson did a, he does these parodies of um, Eminem videos and he did one on NFTs. And funnily enough, I've never heard the original song. I've only heard this parody. But it's been stuck in my head this entire time and them trying <laughs> to explain in, in NFTs. But okay, because we like to be thorough, let's do a bit of a history lesson. The first noted stock market or exchange was established in the 1600s in Amsterdam with the Dutch East India Company as the first publicly traded company. Um, And it didn't come to the U.S. until the 1700s through the Buttonwood Trade Agreement, which would later be formed to be the New York Stock Exchange. Of course, there were and are many twists and turns with the stock exchange and market which was handled by men, of course, including several crashes, including just recently due to the coronavirus. And BT Dubs, the first woman to ever be part of the NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange, was Muriel Mickey Siebert, who was known as the first woman of finance. And she made her way into the coveted NYSE after being tired of not making as much money as the men around her. And she bought herself a seat uh, with them, thanks to the advice of her investor friend, when she was like, how do I make more money? Um, And she was able to do so after finding a sponsor to help her apply for a seat, which, by the way, took 10 different asks 
before she got a yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. And having to receive a loan from a major bank, which took two years for her to get. And on December 28, 1967, she got a seat. Um, and she remained the only woman to be on the stock exchange for the next 10 years. Uh, she would later become the first female New York superintendent of banking in 1977. And the concept of digital money has been around for a little while now. But the currency that most people recognize is cryptocurrency. And many experts, shall we say, point to Bitcoin as the first established cryptocurrency. And the history of Bitcoin is kind of uncertain. Apparently, Bitcoin, or like the idea of Bitcoin, was written about in 2008 by someone using the pseudonym of Satoshi Nakamoto, who was thought to be a programmer um, or maybe a group of programmers. It was first created in 2009, though, Bitcoin, and was the only crypto for the first couple of years. And though it was known and was being used for some things, it was only worth a few cents and initially crashed. However, in 2017, it was worth so much more. And I had a friend, I think a lot of us have this friend, who was in it at the beginning. And we were all kind of like, hmm... And then he ended up making a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if he did. So I had to come back and ask because he used to get onto us and 2017 is like, you need to buy it, you need to buy it. Mm-hmm. I bought some, I bought some. Of course, they're like a few cents at that point. We're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And yeah. then last year, we're just like, oh my God, one is worth like $10,000. And I was like, wait, what? And so I never <laughs> did find out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know in this case where my friend ultimately ended up, but I know for a while he was riding high uh, and <laughs> made a lot of money. And we were all kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Um, And one of Bitcoin's appeals was the peer-to-peer aspect of decentralized networking that was supposed to be outside of government control. Really interesting two-parter from Behind the Bastards that you can check out to learn more about that. Yeah, it was quite funny to listen to them. Read it from a book. Y'all, I just, I, I listened to those episodes and I still don't know what's happening. Just so <laughs> I'm going to put that out there. Uh-huh. So cryptocurrency continues to grow. As of this month, January 2022, just in case you were wondering, there are more than 8,000 types of crypto. Y'all remember Dogecoins, which apparently is still a thing? Yeah. And though the value isn't supposed to be affected by the stock exchange, uh, recent events, it seems like it's being affected because a lot of right. the stock has gone down recently. So has the value of some of the cryptocurrency. So it makes me wonder, it does it really not? <laughs> Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. 
Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. So how did NFTs become a thing? So we want to go ahead and jump right into NFTs. Yes. Annie and I have talked about off mic. This crypto NFT and other new digital investments are things we may know as a concept have a hard time explaining. And even the concept still kind of flies over my head. Uh, Yeah, actually, again, for me, the pragmatist and fairly literal in everything, I've had it explained to me a lot. I will listen to these episodes. Mm -hmm. I'm still really confused to what Mm -hmm. the hell is happening here. But okay, I'm going to try to give you some background on it as yeah. we've researched it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do our best. Uh, I, I like that I set it up pretty much as like, yeah, you might not. We may not have this right. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but this is what we read. So one of the bigger slash newer cryptocurrencies is Ethereum. Uh, weirdly, I have invested and in, uh, it doesn't look so good today. Just, just, not a lot. I didn't put a lot of money in it, but I was like, okay, mm-hmm. why not? Uh, mm-hmm. Which offers a more, quote, versatile platform, according to a Forbes article. And this allows for something called smart contracts, which are codes that are, quote, connected to a digital asset that confirms the asset as individually unique traceable and verifiable. Again, this is from Forbes. And this is all supposed to be unhackable and can't be replicated. Uh, Completely one of a kind. And the NFTs are attached to some of these smart contracts. Uh, And to put it simply, quote, the new monetary system is crypto and the NFTs are digital goods you buy with that crypto. Typically with Ethereum. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, when did NFTs start popping up? Um, We thought the origins would be fairly easy to find since it is all based on data and the the interwebs, but it seems that maybe we aren't asking uh, the question correctly. According to different sites and blogs, there are different lists and first. One first is the first minted NFT token, which was created in 2014, but only just sold in 2021 for the amount of $1.4 million created by Kevin McCoy, um, and it was called Quantum. Then we have Curio Cards, which um, are claimed to be the first NFT art project on the Ethereum blockchain, uh, which was minted in May 2017. And this series consists of 30 different and unique collectible cards that have been done by seven different artists. Today, there are over 29,000 cards of all different levels of value. And... Not surprisingly, the majority of the top sellers and artists in the NFT market are men, with the highest selling one valued and sold for $91.8 million, um, and it sold in December of 2021. And that leads us to the question, 
where are the women and non-binary people in this new market? Well, it's probably not shocking that the amount of women in this industry is fairly low, especially when we already know the level of sexism and limitations on women in the tech industry as well as the art industry. Oh, and by the way, in the fine arts world and auctions, only 2% of the $196.6 billion in the total of sales for this art were made by women. So only 2% got that money. Um, and this was between the years of 2008 and 2019. Oh, mm. my gosh. Yeah. And though the number of women that are made public so far, because there's several of the people and the artists that we don't know their gender, mm-hmm. just so you know, but in the world of NFTs are low. It's still higher than the fine arts world, but that higher is only 16% of the NFT sales. Then that's as of November 2021. So maybe the numbers have changed. Mm-hmm. And if you're wondering, the only woman to crack the top 10 artists by sales of NFT is musician Grimes, who sold $8.9 million in NFT sales. Um, and the second woman to make it to anywhere in this list comes at 50th with a total sale of $1.6 million for her collection. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I feel like I just started hearing about this two years ago. So this is all... I'm kind of surprised it's been around longer than that, but... Yeah, I yeah. honestly think I've only heard of it in this last year. I don't yeah. think I was paying attention. I was trying to figure out what these apes, which yeah. are all over the Twitter PFP profile pics. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh-huh. Seriously, that's what this calls. Uh, <laughs> that I was like, what is happening? And maybe that's why I'm so... Uh, it's so hard for me to grasp. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, again, I do not think we're alone. It's kind of a running joke. <laughs> okay, but there are groups and artists who are looking to make a change in this field. Groups like Women in Blockchain Talks and projects like World of Women NFT are coming out to try to make space for women in this industry. Different projects like the World of Women have a unique collection created by different women in the arts and um, they elevate what they are doing. Other projects like Women Rise have over 10,000 NFTs that feature women in the arts, activism, coding, and science with a mission that states they seek to, quote, watch women rise on the blockchain. Um, And that's according to Cointelegraph.com. Artist Malia Abidi, um, and I'm hope I hope I'm not butchering that completely, but please let me know if I am so I can correct it. Um, who was interviewed for the same article stated of Women Rise and her experience in NFTs? "Quote: I wanted to make sure that I was starting my journey in NFTs by celebrating real world women around the world. This project isn't just about ethnic diversity, but it's also about cultural diversity, religious diversity, and diversity in the terms of fields where women are breaking the glass ceiling. It's also an extension of the work I've been doing over the last." nine years. And she's not the only one who wishes to push these types of ideals um, around diversity in the world of NFTs. Creator of Boss Beauties, another NFT project, Lisa Mayer, came in wanting to not only change the sexism within the newly growing industry, but also bring her passion of women's rights within the digital and media world. Her project, Boss Beauties, featured a collection of over 10,000 different portraits of strong women in different careers. She stated about the project, quote, there are women astronauts, women in STEM, doctors, race car drivers, and more. The promise here is that all the traits mixed together show that a woman can be anything she wants. The entire collection sold in less than 90 minutes, which also helped her small business, allowing business to keep going during the pandemic. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, also, Mayer stated that one of their NFTs was displayed at the NYSE outside of the Muriel Seabert boardroom, uh, who we mentioned earlier, and apparently is the 
first NFT to be displayed there. So I'm, I haven't gotten a confirmation, but that's what she stated. Mm-hmm. But with all this good stuff, we do want to take a minute to talk about how one group took advantage of those who are really thirsty to support women in this industry. Apparently last year, an NFT group I guess, or collection known as Fame Lady Squad, had a giant controversy uh, as this collective, which was supposedly run by three women, had earned $1.5 million from investors, turns out to be ran by Russian men. And after a lengthy investigation by others in the community, they were outed. Uh, They did apologize. They were like, oh, sorry, we didn't think it'd be a big deal. But they absolutely were trying to, I think they... I guess the best way I could put it is own the American libs in their wokeness, but also trying to take advantage and get that money. Sure. And though it was a slap in the face for those who did support the team, the men did give control of the actual collective to a woman, Ashley Smith, who is a Canadian real estate agent, I believe. And they did donate some of the money to different uh, uh, women-driven NFT groups. So uh, they did have a happier story, but definitely, yeah, I've seen this, uh, not only in this type of field, but we know when it comes to like black businesses and black owned businesses. We've had people try to capitalize on that. Super gross, but still. Um, And this is definitely one of those investment platforms that could be different from others, which oftentimes won't allow space for women in the same build. So we're really hoping to see some change and hopefully it'll come quickly, even though they have been around for about seven years, I guess. But it doesn't mean it has to go down the same route as other sexist limitations in these types of platforms. So, hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the hopeful and exciting part of a new thing is there's that, yeah, that hope that you could not follow the path of similar right. industries before you, but fortunately, so often it seems like it, it does. Right, <laughs> um, right. Yeah. And also, a part of this is it can be quite lucrative. As we've been saying, these numbers, people can make a lot of money, but, you know, we're not really seeing women in this money-making space in large numbers right now. As in fact, cryptocurrency has been seen more as a man's world, even to the point that we make jokes about those crypto bros. Um, According to a CNBC and Acorn survey, there are twice the amount of men than women who are invested in cryptocurrency. And they broke down the numbers even more, showing that the gender disparities of cryptocurrency, quote, matches or exceeds the gender gap of other more traditional investing. And according to the 2021 State of U.S. Crypto Report, that 75% of the crypto holders are men, which, yes. No surprise, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There is some good news. The racial aspects are more equal in crypto investments with the numbers showing 11% of white people, 11% of black people, 10% of Hispanics, 14% of Asian people, and 13% of another race uh, being involved. Right. And however, with these numbers, it's not surprising that black women part of the intersectional level, are more likely to have barriers when it comes to investing, even in cryptocurrency, whether it has to do with the decades slash centuries long practices of excluding Black women when it comes to loans, home ownerships, credit, credit cards, expendable cash, or just the overall ability to learn how to invest in such a very confusing, I will attest, (laughs) system. Black women are often left behind in the narrative altogether. 
and the ability to take a chance in this new wave of investing has been lacking for many women. With the same survey we talked about earlier showing only 19% of the investors are white women and only 4% are black women. So that's something to think on too. But there are those who seek, again, to change things. Yay! <laughs> Organizations like Komorobi Collective, founded by women in the blockchain space, to invest exclusively in, quote, exceptional female and non-binary crypto founders seek to improve diversity in the crypto sphere. The crypto industry has made vast amounts of money in 2020 and 2021 alone, up to trillions in dollars. And collectives like these want to ensure that women and non-binary folks are a part of making these giant profits. And women like Julia Rosenberg, another founder of a blockchain company, want to not only see women being investors, but also being a part of the growing community of workers. After seeing how little women are um, a part of this industry, she sought to hire and recruit more women within the technical side. And she isn't the only one, thank goodness. There are organizations like SheFi, Women in Blockchain, National Policy Network of Women of Color in Blockchain, and more um, that are seeking to change this, this boys club that it is right now into a well-run, diverse machine. So much research has shown that diverse and inclusive teams make more profits in any field and just in general are more efficient. According to a study completed by the National Center for Women and in Information Technology, quote, diverse teams tend to stay on schedule and under budget, demonstrate superior team dynamics, and make more money. And the other side to that is allowing space for women to learn about investment and being educated to these types of opportunities. Organizations like SheFi aim to educate women on how to borrow, invest, and trade cryptocurrency, opening up the doors for women to be part of the growing trade. Also, when talking about teaching women about these types of investment classes, it was mentioned, and I thought it was important for us to know, that many of the women would start off apologizing before actually talking about money, which is something we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Just this whole concept that talking about money is not ladylike and we right. shouldn't be doing it. And that women are so hush-hush when mm -hmm. it comes to making money, wanting to make money, and growing professionally. That seems to be a bad thing that yeah. we often see being portrayed. And so literally this uh, specific firm talked about how she had to stop them from being like, I'm so sorry, I just don't right. understand. And be like, stop that. That's mm -hmm. not your fault. And I found that that was something we should mention because I feel like it happens too much and mm -hmm. we should stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think we touched on that a little with the whole Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, Disney thing where they basically were like, hey, lady, you're being greedy. During right. a pandemic, you terrible person asking for right. money. Um, it's that kind of mindset where we feel, uh, yeah, as we also, we talked about recently too, the what you're worth and asking for what you're worth and being shut down like that. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. 
Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. However, though there is a lot to be said about the new investing, we couldn't talk about all of this without addressing the environmental implications of cryptocurrency, which is something I did not know about. And please note, yes, we're not experts on this, um, but more curious on how women are viewed in these spaces and the effects of this type of investment. But this is an important part of the conversation. The environmental impact of crypto as it is, is not great um, because many of the cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are based on mining, a lot of electricity is used to do that mining. And since Bitcoin was originally released, it has become harder to get new ones as it was designed to be somewhat scarce um, to up its value partially. The worth of one Bitcoin as of earlier this month, this month being January 2022, is $42,000. And the value of a newly mined block is 6.25 Bitcoin. Lots of money. Yes, Um, I had to do the math in my head for a second. And because of this, more people are trying to mine to get what's left, which means using more electricity. In one report, it says, quote, the Cambridge Bitcoin Electricity Consumption Index estimates that Bitcoin mining uses more power globally per year than some countries, including the Netherlands and Pakistan. And it isn't just the act of mining for Bitcoins, but actually to use it for in transactions. According to that same report, it's estimated to burn 2,292.5 kilowatt hours of electricity, which is enough to power a U.S. household for almost 80 days. Oof. 80 days. Uh, and that's a large carbon footprint. And for those of us in the U.S., well, it seems 35% of the mining is done here. And guess what? We use a lot of fossil fuels to get it done. Rah. And of course, this also includes the fact that different power plants that are used for mining draw millions of gallons of waters to cool down the plants after using so much energy, and some of that discharge goes into the body of waters that typically will endanger the wildlife there. But with that, there are some companies out there that are trying to use more green, and I'm putting this in quotes because I don't know what that means typically Mm -hmm. for a given company. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to put that there. Uh, Green methods in the crypto space, such as using different ways of systems of validations, which may reduce energy costs, as in they don't want to use the older system, which was proof of work, 
meaning uh, they measured it by the amount of digging slash mining slash work they did, which obviously is going to drive up the use of electricity. There were also organizations that are trying to start initiatives that would find ways of running blockchains on entirely renewable energy and hoping to do so by 2025. Apparently, there are some who are currently using renewable energy to run it um, already, but the numbers are hard to find. So we don't know how many companies and who is using what. I feel like this might be one of those misleading, hey, look, we're doing good, Right. says the big corporation. So right. that's editorial. I will say that. That's just <laughs> my opinion. So Because uh-huh. there's, again, not a lot of information. Of course, we aren't sure how effective and how much effort are actually being made, especially if it has the chance of affecting someone's effort in making money. So mm, we know there's yeah. a lot to be said when it comes to money and greed and profit. But we're going to keep our eyes on it. And uh, hopefully, maybe this is something that not only will women be welcomed into, but we can do it sustainably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, but the world of investing in finance is fascinating. And things like NFTs and cryptos have been big conversations in the world of social media. And again, just being relevant. Like I said, we've seen so many celebrities and bigwigs talking about their special NFTs. Jimmy Fallon and Paris Hilton sitting there comparing their NFTs, by the way, which were from the Bored Ape Yacht Club, which if you've seen them, it's just an ape with different costumes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, uh, the one I think uh, Jimmy Fallon was referring to, what she got was two hundred ten thousand dollars. Wow. Again, it's not something they. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. And <laughs> I've seen that uh, Twitter has been again advertising to allow those spaces and usage in Twitter. So I'm guessing it's the profile pictures, which I, mm. I don't understand. I thought you could do that. I, I don't get it. And then that is specifics. I know there was some disasters where people were replicating or not getting what they were promised. There's yep. something called the fat finger mistake, which I feel like is fat phobic and I don't like it. Mm. I'm sure it is. And there has been also conversation within the art world how some of it is really uh, ableist and yeah. super problematic and what they're featuring. Mm-hmm. But like people who are being scammed to buy these things yeah, and then the hit the wrong button. One. I yeah, heard about and that then, one. yeah, like so many different things. So it's interesting. It is. Um, but the stock exchange is still the largest investment platform today. And with the fact that it took so long for a woman to even be able to buy a seat there, there is still a shortage of women in that space. According to a survey completed by NerdWallet in September 2021, only 48% of women are invested in the stock market compared to 66% of men who were invested. One of the reasons cited was, quote, women tend to be less confident, more anxious than men about investing which we found interesting and really says a lot. Uh, The article states that, quote, emotions around money and investing can be fraught. And the survey found differences in how men and women feel when thinking about investing. While men are more likely to feel confident than women, 41% versus 22%, women are more likely to say they feel anxious than men, 29% versus 22%. And that is definitely me. I feel anxious. (laughs) I don't like it. Me too. Uh, (laughs) Me too. But with that, many say that women make better investors than men. According to a report completed by 
Fidelity in 2021, over a 10-year period, its female customers earned, on average, 0.4 percentage points more annually than their male counterparts. That may not seem like a lot, but over a few decades, it can add up to tens of thousands of dollars or more. Right. So Fidelity's analysis uh, shows that from 2011 to 2020, uh, which included 5.2 million customers, in, in this analysis, the women are able to get better returns due to the way they trade. Or more so on how they don't. Uh, women that are customers of Fidelity, quote, bought and sold half as much as male customers. And Fidelity wasn't the only one to get similar results. Other financial companies showed similar patterns in long-term trading and investments. And again, the part of the reason why women might not be trading as much because of anxiety and less right. confidence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and it may be because of the overall good results from women that women have been investing more recently. Uh, another Fidelity report showed that almost 67% of women are investing outside of retirement accounts, which this of retirement accounts is what bothers me and yeah. makes me not want to invest in other stocks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's my anxiety that... <laughs> that I don't like. Again, which is a 44% increase since 2018. And I did see another article talk about how the pandemic, during the pandemic, women are investing more mm-hmm. from that. So I found that interesting. And different brokerages have seen an increase in women investors as well, with one platform showing that women investors tripled in the last year. So much so that many of the brokerages are pushing more focus on women as new clients and investors. And there's even a platform like Elvest, which is focusing completely on women investors altogether. Mm-hmm. And though women investors are rising, it seems actually working in the field is still dominated by men. Part of that could be due to the fact that men rise faster in these job fields. According to another Investopedia report, there are only 4.9% female partners in the venture capital firms. Less than 10% of senior roles are held by women in the private equity field. But we know there are groups and initiatives trying to open up the field for more women in the business. And let's hope that as they see women have value investing and have value in the world of investing, (laughs) that they will value women enough uh, to help bust the ceiling within the investment career field. I found it all very interesting uh, as we were doing all of this research, the level of like, yay, women, wait, women. Yeah. And we had, like, there was one specific article, the one we were mentioning, uh, where they talked about the fidelity results and that women may be better investors. The title made me laugh because it was a dude who was like, let me mansplain to you why women do better. <laughs> and there's been so many other articles, like women overall, especially in the last 20 years, have really shown that they by not trading around, that they have done a better job. And maybe that kind of goes back to the whole, like, let it sit. You're not supposed to pull it out these certain times. Mm-hmm. This is the small things that I know. <laughs> and I found that very interesting because every time I see it dip, I'm like, I got to take it out. I got to pull it out, which means it's a <laughs> loss of money. Of course, I'm right. not going to do that because I'm too anxious to do such a radical move. But mm-hmm. yeah, it does say a lot to who is making money off of that as well, because this whole racket in the stock investment, I don't understand. I do feel like someone's trying to take advantage of me because mm-hmm. I'm giving money to hope that I could retire in time. Yeah. Which I, I hate that process. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with the NFTs, there's more and more uh, art being sold out there. There's a, a group of black women who are doing photography. There mm-hmm. was someone talking about selling podcast sounds uh, and TikTok sounds as NFTs, essentially. Oh uh-huh. Because it's this whole idea of like, you'll never have it, but you own a share of it. 
and it's unique to you, which I'm still very confused by, whatever, whatnot. Yeah. No matter what, I do want to see women mm-hmm. make headway and, and make it in these industries, but not at the expense of our environment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of things that frustrate me about this. Uh, I think that it shouldn't be so complicated to, again, just retire. I, I got mad about taxes the other day. I was like, this is ridiculous and I can't understand this and I have to get somebody <laughs> to do it. Um, <laughs> I don't get it. But also, I understand that I've had this conversation with people before where I guess I'm, they think I'm kind of a square because, it's, you know, when uh, there was that huge market crash in 2008, like people just lost their money. Like if right. it's a stock or not, because that's sort of a concept that we're just believing has value as well. And I get nervous about that. I've, every now and then I'm like, I think I should just withdraw everything and put it under my mattress. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But then I'm like, then we need it to be gold because dollars yes. aren't going to be worth yes. anything. Yes. So we get that. We get that. But yeah, we would love to hear from any of you listeners who know more about this, who are involved with this. Oh, please, please contact us. You can email us at stephaniemomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Oh, I bet you could like sell her art. Oh, as in, like, yeah. Production. Yeah, I think you need yes. to make this an NFT yes. somehow. <laughs> Don't make us look bad. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to you for listening. Stuff I'll Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.